You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, I will be recapping Notre Dame's loss to Louisville on Tuesday night. I will then be doing a check-in for the ACC standings and then wrapping up the show. Ryan and I will be doing another draft profile on Tommy Tremble this time, the tight end who could be drafted surprisingly early. Stay tuned for that one. Before we get into it, folks, my name is Joe DeLeon. I am a former college long snapper from the University of Rhode Island, and Ryan is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So Notre Dame suffers a 69-57 to loss, and frankly, throughout this game, Notre Dame was was trailing pretty early. Uh, they, they put themselves in a very weak position from the get-go. Did not hold a, a single lead. Louisville ends up building up a 14-point lead at one point. So a lot of issues come out of this game, and I think I'm going to get into it more in the in the next segment, but this loss ultimately has pretty much killed their chances at making the tournament. They're going to need a miracle in the ACC tournament if if they want to somehow make the, Mar- the March Madness tournament. They basically have to win it, but I'm going to get to that soon. Breaking down this game, though, they actually started to chug their way back into it. They were down at halftime uh, in this performance, and as they started to fight their way back in the second quarter, Prentice Hub was getting really hot. Uh, there were a bunch of random spots, though, where Leshevsky went down, Cormac Ryan went down at the end of the game. They, they all came back in. Trey Wirtz at one point went down. It seemed like this team was starting to be a little bit banged up. Uh, I don't know if it's fatigue or if it was just pure coincidence, but it did not look like this team was really able to, to handle playing in this game. Nate Leshevsky clearly rattled by something. 0 for 8, 2 points from him, only 4 rebounds. Durham has a pretty good game, 18 points for him, 6 rebounds. And then Prentice Hub, as I said, started to get hot in the middle of the second quarter. He goes 14 points, 4 for 8 from 3, and then ultimately he has 6 assists. And one of the issues that I think has been so easy to draw to in any of these losses for Notre Dame is typically problems shooting the 3-ball. And throughout this performance, they were chucking up shots that really were not there, and they were breaking them. That is what has been a a big issue when Notre Dame has performed poorly, when they have struggled and when they've been outright beaten by opponents is because they shot poorly from three. And and that's pretty clear from their 25% mark from three. And it's not like they took, you know, four three-pointers in this game. They went seven for 28. They went seven for 28 from three. So too many opportunities, not hitting and then an unwillingness to attack down low and try to um, create different offensive opportunities because the three ball was clearly not working. The other statistic that really draws my attention, and I talked about this coming into the game, that it worried me. Louisville had a pretty good rebounding team, and Notre Dame was 
not only rebounded, but rebound out rebound. Sorry, not only out rebounded, but out rebounded by a significant margin, forty-five to thirty. Only able to get five offensive rebounds compared to their fourteen. So clearly, not a good day at all. There wasn't a single guy who who had over eight rebounds, and that person was Cormac Ryan, who is not exactly the player that you want leading your team in rebounds. Withers, Jalen Withers, who we talked about before the game, ends up having a really good rebounding performance for Louisville, 13 rebounds. And then on the flip side of things, Malik Williams, their center, has 10 rebounds. So not a, it's not like they got blown up by a team that was a, a high-powered offense. This was the case of Notre Dame getting bullied down low, not being able to have diversity offensively. And because of that, Louisville was very easily able to choke out the three-point opportunities that were presented to Notre Dame. I'm going to talk a little bit about the ACC standings before we get into some football. Before I get to that, though, folks, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the perfect bar for me and anybody that is a health-conscious person. And the improved, new and improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. There are so many interesting ones to choose from. You've got double chocolate, salted caramel. Um, Those are the originals, the new ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake. That's just to name a few. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. And as I said, Built Bar is perfect for me when I'm running on the go and I just need something to eat to get me onto the next thing. As somebody with a busy schedule, having that opportunity to eat something healthy and quick is so impactful. And folks, you should definitely try it out too. We are covering everything that you need to know about Notre Dame, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all of the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. So now is a really good time to take a look at the ACC standings after this loss. And one thing that I I said earlier, this really does kill Notre Dame's chances to to really do anything in the postseason. And and I was probably more optimistic than most were. I, I think from what I was hearing from just general basketball analysts, they were saying that Notre Dame was pretty much a long shot to make it into the tournament. But what I was trying to preach and talk about was if they did well in in a specific stretch of games, they could have turned or placed themselves in a position to end up making the tournament. If you end up, they were going to be right at 500 probably at the end of the season based on the trajectory that they had. But if you finish in the top of the ACC standings with a number of big in-conference wins, the argument could have been made. And that was what they were talking about tonight with Louisville, who moves all the way up to 
uh, fourth right now in conference. They're fourth now after this win. But now Notre Dame has created distance behind NC State, who's above them, who they do play soon. And there's now a gigantic gap between them and the crop of teams that I had previously talked about as the one that Notre Dame could blow past if things worked out. Syracuse is seven and six. Georgia Tech is eight and six. Clemson is seven and five. And with a six and nine in conference record, they are, are are pretty much locked into the spot that they're in, which is the bottom third of the conference. They're probably not. I don't see them getting passed by Pittsburgh, but just looking how this this currently feels and how it looks, they have put themselves into a spot where not much can come of this. And I, I, you know, I'm not coming out here saying like, oh, the season's done. It's you know, it's kaput. Where there's no point in covering it. We're still going to cover the games. We're still going to talk about the ACC tournament. Anything can happen, so we're still going to cover it. But right now, I think this is a scenario where it's time to start looking ahead. It's time to start looking towards next season because next season is going to be, I think, the big one for Notre Dame. It was a a strong veteran core that Notre Dame had coming into the season. And that core, not all of them were playing before it, but they all were able to get onto the court as the starting rotation. And when you have guys like that, guys like Cormac Ryan, or sorry, Cormac Ryan's not returning. Dane Goodwin, Nate Lashevsky, you have Prentice Hub. Those guys are so talented. Trey Wirtz. After all of the adversity they've been through this year, it is only going to help them for next season. And as we've seen, folks, The teams that are the most successful in college basketball are often the teams that have the best veterans and the most veterans. And I think that there's a lot that can be taken away from this year. And I think at the end of the season, we'll probably talk a lot in terms of just season takeaways, how how we felt about the performances of specific guys and maybe what to expect going forward. Coming up to wrap up the show, we will be doing another NFL Draft Prospect Profile, this time for Tommy Tremble. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the web- their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's Wade and Ward Wednesdays on Locked On College Football hosts Andrew Wade and Josh Ward get you over the Wednesday hump as they discuss the biggest storylines across the nation and start our experts' look at the upcoming weekend of college football action. Subscribe to Locked On College Football wherever you get your podcasts. So, Ryan, let's uh, let's dive into Tommy Tremble, who is our next 
prospect that we are going to profile to wrap up today's show that was very basketball heavy. Uh, Tommy Tremble, though, was a, a bit of a surprise declaration, the tight end for this team, but has created some interesting buzz. So I, I want to hear from you. What do you think are his best traits as a tight end prospect? Well, he really he really surprised us, obviously. We've talked about that, you know, adamantly at this point a bunch of times from all the people that I keep talking to though the beat writers and reporters from uh, that cover Notre Dame it actually wasn't a huge surprise for them they kind of expected a little bit just based upon what they were hearing for Tommy he's an interesting player he's absolutely interesting because you're gonna look at the production side of everything right you're gonna look at I think you'll have like 19 receptions this past year a little over 200 yards and you're going to say, why was this the right move now for a guy like Tommy Tremble who has not produced at a high level? Like, why is it Why is it the time now? But then you watch his game and you realize he's not quantified just strictly by amount of catches that he has because he does a lot of things very well. He's a nice athlete. He has that upside as a pass receiver. What he does well is he can fit in so many different situations and so many different roles because of the blocker that he is and the flexibility that he has. Inline, H-back, at fullback at times, he can do a little bit of everything. So I think that the upside is nice, but I think the floor is actually pretty substantial here, which you hear about a lot. You know, usually guys are high floor, low uh, high ceiling, low low floor type of prospect. For me, Tommy is substantial ceiling, like it's okay, but the floor is really nice because I think that at worst he's a very solid role player and in an offense next year that still has a guy like Michael Mayer who's going to take even more of the volume, it just kind of made sense for him in this situation. But I think that he is going to go higher than a lot of people think, not because he was the most productive player, but because you can see the upside as a pass catcher. But at worst, there is that substantial floor as a blocker, as a person mm-hmm. that has some alignment versatility, role versatility. I think Tommy Trouble is a good football player who has a chance to stick for a long time just because he does – the dirty work, the little things that don't gut quite get quantified in a box score. And honestly, I think part of the reason why he might be or was originally not really thought of as a as a highly draftable guy, he's going to be not a top five player, but probably somewhere in the top 10 of the tight end group. I think the big reason why was the emergence of Michael Mayer. Tommy Tremble is basically forced into a secondary role, but he was still very highly productive, had a really nice impact, especially as a blocker. And some team is going to want to take a guy like Tommy Tremble not to turn into their tight end one in a high-impact player, but a lot of NFL teams like having multiple tight ends that have different skill sets. So if you go and grab Tommy Tremble, he can have a pretty good impact for your team if you are a a multi-tight end usage team. Now, as we typically do, what would you say his round projection is? I think if we talk about him in the top five tight ends, that's a little bit too rich. But I feel as if round four is probably the like a really good spot for him with the potential to go higher. Well, we talked about this unbelieving NFL draft prospect podcast, right? So, like, I think that from everything we're hearing from the talking heads that talk to all have all the league inside the guys like Dane Brugler from the athletic and Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and, and that group of individuals, Daniel Jeremiah, they're all saying similar things. And Dane, I mean, Dane Brugler put it out very quite, quite simply round two through four. That is the range for a guy like Tommy Tremble. I'm on the back end of that. 
and I don't want to sound like I'm a pessimist in any way, you know, a, a negative on Tommy because I do really do like Tommy, but I don't see how with the current state of what his impact is in the passing game, in a passing league, where I'm going to take him somewhere on day two, which is rounds two through three, obviously. I think that he's more of a fourth round to fifth round guy that's going to fill a role, but there's still a huge development that needs to happen in the passing game. Like, this is not a guy that's going to walk into the NFL and contribute a ton in that area. But I really do like him. I would say safely, like, if he's drafted in the fourth round, I get it. He's going to assume a role. He has some developmental potential. But if we're being realist to what the what the the situation is and what the conversation is, it sounds like he has a pretty good chance of going off of day two, just based upon the upside that he has at the position. And, and I think one thing that might hurt him a little bit is the guys ahead of him who had bigger roles and had more production. You can figure out more so what those guys are than you can with Tommy Tramble because. There's just a smaller sample size. So teams might be willing to bet more on the more sure products like Kyle Pitts, uh, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, even Hunter Long. And that's kind of when you start to hear Tommy Tremble's name come up is five and later in the ranking. So uh, I do agree with you on that sense. I think that that probably makes the most uh, realistic sense out of this. If you had to pick some best fits, you've got four teams here that could be interesting options for him. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we saw a little regression offensively with the Baltimore Ravens this year, and we know that this team wants to run a bunch of 12 personnel. They want to run some 13 even at times. Like They love their tight ends. Mark Andrews is a darn good one, but Mark Andrews is more of that flex tight end that could play in the slot, and he's, more of a, a, he's a big wide receiver, to be honest, right? So they lost a guy like Hayden Hurst, who did a lot of the dirty work in the run game. And Nick Boyle, while he's a good run blocker, it just doesn't bring as much in the passing game. And I think that really did limit the Ravens offense a bit, having that that partner for a guy like Mark Andrews and that 12 personnel. So I think the Baltimore Ravens make a ton of sense. Let Mark Andrews be the receiver that he is, but also have the speed elements that Tommy Trimble brings, but also the blocking. That's I think that those two could couple together so well, and it would make a ton of sense for that fit. I also put down the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have not seen the Pittsburgh Steelers have great productivity at the tight end position pretty much since Heath Miller you know, left the team several years ago. Vance McDonald had one season that was okay. Eric Ebron is just not dependable at all. I think that they are in desperate need of an influx of talent at the tight end position because I don't think that they have anybody right now that really – get you worried in either the run or the pass game. So I think Tommy Treble is a good developmental option and then at least a you know role player early on for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I also put down the Los Angeles Rams, who lo- they also love their 12 personnel. They have Tyler Higby. They have Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is set to be a free agent this offseason. When you're talking about what Gerald Everett does well, that flex ability, could play in the slot, could play at age, could play fullback, could do different things. That is where Tommy Trouble I see similarly. So for me, if we could couple Higby with a guy like Tommy Tremble, I think that it would be a nice pairing for Los Angeles Rams. And then the last team, just simply because they're losing their tight end potentially in free agency, we're talking about John Smith from the Tennessee Titans, who is very similar size, similar style, not quite the blocker that Tommy Tremble is, but he's, that again, that flex tight end who can do a little bit of everything, has yak ability. 
So they're going to need to figure out what the next step is if they're not, if they do not re-sign Jonu Smith. And I think from a stylistic and a physical perspective, just body typing wise, I think that the comparison between Tommy Tremble and Jonu Smith from at least a physical perspective does make a lot of sense. Yeah, and all those teams, I really like those fits. So I, I think next we're going to be doing Ian Book. Realistically, we're trying to go in a, in a, a somewhat of an ordering based on their draft stock right now. So stay tuned for the Ian Book one. We've got a lot of stuff to continue to cover this week. Uh, we've got lacrosse starting up this weekend. We've got baseball starting up this weekend. So we're going to be doing some previews, talking about all of that fantastic stuff. Um, folks, thank you for tuning in. As always, please hit that subscribe button uh, and leave us a five-star review. Follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at Locked on Irish. And lastly, if you're looking for something else to tune into, check out Locked On Today. We'll talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.